0: I'm Ruma Tenbrink, and welcome to the Children's Bedtime Stories podcast for adults. I am so excited to be reading to you my first book this evening. I really hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you fall asleep in a beautiful slumber and take you to a faraway land. Thank you so, so much for listening. World-renowned musician, environmentalist, and humanitarian, Dave Matthews, in collaboration with popular children's book author, Cleet Barrett-Smith, has conjured an exciting and poignant fantasy about a girl who must confront her past mistakes before she can save her peaceful forest community from a gigantic threat. I am honored to read to you, If We Were Giants, Little Voices Can Have a Huge Impact. Let joy begin as we read Part 1, The Volcano. The Volcano, Part 1, Chapter 4. As she trudged up the steep slope with her father, Kira scanned the hillside's thickets of brush and jumbles of rock formations. Even though she had approached from the outside multiple times now, her trained eye simply could not find the hidden entrance. Was it there by the sagebrush? And the... Mm, No. That was just a trick of shadow and light. Kira held a hand above her eyes to block out the sun and squinted as she made her way up the volcano wall. Could it be over there, behind that gnarled scrub pine? Maybe, but then why wasn't... Gotcha! Kira let out a squeal as she was grabbed around the waist. She spun around to find her friend Tatu who had slipped out of a crack in the hillside surrounded by a clump of thorny bushes. The girl threw back her head and laughed, her unruly nest of hair flopping all over. The look on your face gets better every time. Kira placed a hand over her racing heart and blew out a stream of air. If you keep doing that, I might just stop coming home altogether. "'Girls, hush now!' Kuzo, one of the official watchers at this post, peeked his head out of the narrow opening in the rock wall and shook a finger at Tatu. "'A good helper should know better. Come inside!' He beckoned them forward and nodded at Kira's father. "'Welcome back, Taro. You must be glad to be safely home after your travels.' Taro made a fist and touched it to his forehead. Zidu provides, he said in greeting. As Kira slipped through the crack and made her way through the twisting tunnel carved into the rock, she once again marveled at how so many Ziduans, even the grown-ups, seemed intimidated by the prospect of going outside. It gave her a little thrill of self-satisfaction to know that she had seen things that few of them ever would. But as she emerged from the tunnel onto a ledge inside the volcano crater, she had to admit it was good to be back home. One of the benefits of traveling outside was being able to see Zidu through fresh eyes whenever she returned, and feelings of awe and pride reawakened each time. The morning sunlight filtered through the opening far above, softly illuminating the intricate levels of terraces that made up their concealed community. Dozens of great overlapping ridges carved into the rock rose over her head and fell away beneath her like a giant's spiral staircase. Some had groupings of huts for the various clans and little villages, Others supported land for crops or livestock or places of gathering. And far below, at the very bottom of the volcano's interior, was the pool of fresh spring water that served as the lifeblood of the community. But Kira didn't have time to dwell on the amazing architectural accomplishments of countless generations of Ziduan people, because Tiko spotted her right away. He must have been scoping out the hidden entrance since sunup, waiting all morning for their return. "'Kira!' He raced over and tugged at her cloak. "'How was the outside this time?' he asked eagerly. "'Oh,' you know she shrugged as casually as possible. "'It was pretty good, I guess.' Kira faked a big yawn. (sighs) "'Stop teasing!' Tico put his hands on his hips. "'Was it amazing?' Tell me. Kira broke into a grin. You got me. It was completely amazing. She gave him a sly, sidelong glance. I caught a squirrel this time. Wow, let me see it. Tico dove for the pouch tied to her belt, grabbing at it with both hands. Kira pushed his arms away. I don't have it anymore. I felt bad for taking it from its home, so I let it go. Tico crossed his arms and huffed. You didn't catch any squirrel. Kira's grin got wider. So that means you believe they do exist? No. If I get another one, do you want me to bring it back? Yes. They both laughed. Tico looked over at where their father was still talking to Kuzo at the entrance and lowered his voice to a whisper. Did you talk to him about me going with you next time? Kira tousled his hair affectionately. One of the things she admired about her brother was that he didn't share the usual Zitiwan fear of everything beyond the crater walls. Tiko was dying to get outside someday. Oh, Tiko. You know he won't even think about it until you get to help her age. His shoulders slumped. It's not fair. Kira glanced back at Taro, still tied up in conversation. But I did bring something that might cheer you up. Really? What is it? Tika was back at her, jumping up like a puppy. Show me! She laughed and untied the pouch. First, I got you a little tree. She pulled out a sack of honeyed nuts, which he accepted eagerly. Hide those from Maja, or she'll only let you have two or three at a time. Oh, I will... Thanks, Kira. And I brought you something else. She glanced around, conspiratorially. If you can keep a really big secret. Tico's eyes went wide. No way, he breathed. You found more? Kira nodded. She reached back into the pouch and slowly removed her fist. With a dramatic flourish learned from watching her storyteller father, she unfurled her fingers to reveal the three rough arrowheads she'd found while walking next to a creek. Kira dropped the gifts into Tico's open palm, and he went silent as he studied them. War and weapons were foreign concepts in Zidu. The only knowledge of battle their people had was from the stories Taro told around the Cook fires when he visited the various clans in the community. Kira knew these stories were meant to be cautionary tales, examples of what could happen to their society if they stopped cooperating. But the taboo nature of the subject had the opposite effect on Tiko and his friends. They were fascinated with all the epic battles that no doubt must be raging somewhere outside. And they secretly played Ziduan warrior when no grown-ups were looking. He lifted the biggest arrowhead and turned it this way and that. These are incredible. Thank you so much, Kira. She gave him a stern look. Now you'd better hide those even better than you do the treats, understand? or we'll both be in trouble. Tiko nodded reverently. Then his face lit up. I have the perfect place, my secret spot. Come with me, I'll show you. Kira called to her father. I'll look after Tiko. We'll be home in time for lunch. Tara waved at her and she hustled to join her brother. She smirked at the idea of a secret spot. Pretty much every nook and cranny of the volcano's interior had been mapped out years ago. Nothing was truly hidden in Zidu. There simply wasn't enough room for secrets. They neared the end of the ledge where they had entered the volcano's interior. Batiko ran past the stone staircase carved into the crater wall. There were many ways other than the stairs to get from one broad terrace to another. You could rappel down on climbers' ropes or take the crank powered wooden elevator. But Tico preferred to. Woohoo! he yelled as he leapt straight off the edge and plunged to a cushion of moss and leaves waiting below. Kira rolled her eyes, yet she had to admit, as she made the same jump, that it was fun to feel her stomach flip flop as her body rushed through the open air. She popped up from the soft pile and had to jog to keep pace with Tiko as they circled the volcano's towering walls, heading to his hideaway. Kira waved to people as they rushed past. There was Mina, one of her old teachers, playing with a group of small children in front of her hut. And there was Samos, who delivered fresh milk each morning from the goat pens, and a group of builders and their helpers patching up a suspension bridge that spanned two prominent terraces. It was comforting to watch the Ziduans care for their home and for one another. As Kira got older, she took in more details about how the community functioned. Everything was in balance. Her people lived in harmony with each other and the resources that the volcano provided. Tiko had clambered up a series of staircases until he was more than three-fourths of the way to the rim of the crater. Kira, not well-rested from her all-night journey in the cart, found herself wheezing as she tried to keep pace. She looked up to see her brother beckoning to her. He had stopped at the base of one of the courier's zipline stations. By the time she made it up to that terrace, Tycho had flopped on the ground, panting, and was watching the courier's. The station, one of six evenly spaced around the interior of Zidu, was a wooden platform up on eight-foot supports. Zipline cables radiated out like spokes of a wheel, connected to various terraces clear across the other side of the volcano. A Ziduan citizen who needed to send something to a different clan brought it to the station and dropped it off. Then a courier put it in a pouch, secured themselves in a harness attached to a zipline, and stepped off the platform that extended right out over the lip of the terrace, hundreds of feet above the ground below. The result was an exhilarating ride through the air to the delivery spot. Tico watched, rapt, as another courier stepped off into nothingness and in mere seconds was no bigger to the eye than a dot, zooming halfway across the vast volcano. Kira sat down and nudged Tiko. That would be the perfect job for someone I know. It would be fun, Tiko admitted, but you know I want to be a builder. They sat there for a moment, catching their breath. Well, Kira finally said as she looked around, aren't you going to take me to your hiding place? Tiko put a finger to his lips. Shh. He was watching the activity on the platform closely. We have to wait until they're all busy. A few minutes later, a man climbed the steps and approached a helper, while another helper assisted a courier with her harness straps. There were no other couriers or helpers to take notice of the two kids down below. Tico jumped up, grabbed Kira's hand, and pulled her underneath the wooden stairs. They raced along below the courier platform, made it to the rock wall where the structure was secured, and then Tiko wedged himself into a crack in the wall and disappeared. Kira was impressed. Tiko had actually managed to find a hidden nook, and the positioning of the courier station would keep prying eyes away from it. Clever! When she followed him into a sort of cave that formed a little room, she was even more impressed. Using material that was clearly left over from various construction projects, he and his friends had built tables and chairs, a couple of hammocks, and even a target board for a game of Raleigh darts. Wow, Tico, this is nice. The builders would be crazy not to take you when you're old enough. Thanks, Tico beamed at the praise. It took us forever to sneak in all the supplies. He stood on tiptoe to retrieve a wooden box from a little shelf of rock and stashed his arrowheads inside. It's been easier lately because all the grown-ups are getting ready for the harvest festival. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Kira had been away a little longer than she'd realized. I never forget about that. It's my favorite time of year. You like it more than your birthday? Way more. The grown-ups are always so busy during the day, and then they go to bed early and sleep hard all night. Us kids can do whatever we want. Kira smiled and shook her head. She should have known. Tico tugged on her cloak again. Now tell me all about your adventures this time. Don't leave anything out and no teasing. Kira laughed. I promise. They cuddled up in one of the hammocks, and she told him everything she could remember. When she listed the animals Paja had pointed out to her as they hiked along, Tiko peppered her with questions about the beasts they'd had to hide from, especially the crocodiles. She told him about a place on the river bank where the water was so wide you could hardly see the other side she described what it was like to almost lose yourself in a real forest. She reported on what the kids were wearing in distant villages, along with what games they were playing. When she finally tired of answering all of Tico's eager questions, she yawned and stretched. We should be getting back. I know Maja will want to know where we are. Tico grumbled a bit before reluctantly agreeing. Then they snuck out from under the courier platform and made their way home. The huts were arranged in a semicircle that formed a courtyard where the children could be watched by all the parents of their clan. Kira became a bit nostalgic for the times before she was a helper, when there were countless hours to play out here with all her friends. The courtyard was empty at midday, however, with everyone either off at school or doing their jobs around the community. Maybe she could sneak in a nap before... Kira! Her mother burst from the hut and came straight for her. You're here! You're safe! Dijana grabbed Kira in a fierce hug, pulled back, and held her by the shoulders to study her face, then hugged her tightly again. You are safe! Wow! Kira knew Maja was perpetually nervous when her daughter was on the outside, but this welcome seemed mm, different somehow, a little more frantic than usual. Kira looked over at Dijana's shoulder, at Tiko, let her tongue hang out the side of her mouth, and made a face like she was being suffocated to death. Yes, Maja, she croaked. Tiko giggled. Taro stepped out of the hut and Kira glanced over at him. She furrowed her brow. Paja was usually very relaxed after returning home, but right now his eyes looked clouded with concern. Was something going on? Dejana finally stopped hugging Kira so tightly, but she still held on to her daughter's shoulders as she stepped back to study her. Oh my, you look thin, my dear. When was the last time you ate? Were you warm enough at night? She glanced at her spouse. Taro, why is she covered in grime? Don't you ever make sure she washes when you go wandering about? I know for good and certain that there are plenty of lakes and streams in the outside. Has no other village managed to invent soap? All is well, Maja, Kira said. Dejana studied her, eyebrows scrunched up. Sometimes I worry that you are becoming just as good as your father at telling stories. But that's the plan, Maja. Dejana finally broke into a smile and hugged her again. I suppose it is. Come in. There's some stew left over. I'll warm it up for you. Kira and Tiko walked into the hut. Taro put a comforting arm around Dijana as they followed. Her mother was whispering, but Kira could still make out the words. You promised that no one saw the two of you. No one who shouldn't have? Taro whispered in return, his tone pleasant. No, my love, it was a good trip, very successful. He nodded in Kira's direction. You would be proud of our daughter. She is learning quickly. Some day she will be a fine storyteller. Kira's heart glowed with the recognition from her father, but it was short-lived as she couldn't help but think that something was not quite right between her parents. Lunch was served and the family talked and laughed and reveled in being reunited once again. But Kira kept an eye on her parents, the little secret glances they gave each other, the sleep circles under Paja's eyes, the worry lines around Maja's eyes, and the way her mouth, usually so smiley, kept turning down at the corners. Kira sighed. Grown-ups, they always thought they were being so secretive, but they never were. When would they realize kids weren't stupid? Kira decided she'd find out exactly what was going on.